I thought one way of approaching the situation I'm in right now is to make the best of it. I'd like to invite you into practice. Hmm? She said, This is my invitation. And usually, and in our dialogue practice, when there's a single speaker, it's not that long. I don't know, 20, 25 minutes, maybe shorter. So one of the advantages tonight you have as listeners, I have as speaker, is to cultivate patience. Actually, the Buddha praised Kanti, patience, as the highest practice, the highest forbearance, whatever that means in English. The highest. I'm pretty sure I won't get impatient with whatever I say. I speak from experience. So if you do feel you get impatience. This is a chance for highest practice. I really mean, please, support me in my practice. Support you in your practice. Practice. Deep listening. I do whatever I can to speak the truth. Pausing. Another chance for patience. If you feel like, oh, why can't he get on with it? With the next words. I need to relax a lot being in this situation. A lot. A lot. It's needed. Strongly needed. I need to open. The internal, because I can easily lose touch with what's going on here. Connect, so it's helpful to have eye contact. It's helpful to have eye contact, ear contact. So open, knowing really where is the attention, mainly external, with the insect passing by. much is a connection to the internal, both. Trust emergence. 
as you figured out by now, I'm not a native English speaker. When I first heard these guidelines, I understood trust emergency. <laughs> it's a very good approach to practice, actually, <laughs> at times. Because at times, looking over the years, I'm trying to practice this practice called inside dialogue. I felt like really I was emotionally in emergency situations. If I'm honest, not so much what I heard from my meditation partners, but not from what I said, but my reactions to situations, you know, stuff. And as Phyllis pointed out, it's not about that you trust what emerges. Everything will be fine, it will pass, you know, it's not self, it's ultimately not satisfying. One will make a big deal out of it. Just trust life and everything will be fine. Yeah? You think that kind of practice this guideline invites to? I really have my difficulties with wording of this guideline. I told him many times. <laughs> he agrees partly, but, but. So it's really needed to have a sense of stability and balance to trust this uncertainty not knowing, this fear, this edge, this threat. If you would be asked or invited into the contemplation, what Dhamma would you offer for this setting? Was this retreat, taking into account what has, was offered in the practice today, some of the things we have heard from the sharing, yesterday's practice, Tuesday evening's practice. What is most called for? Let's reflect. What would you say? What would you share? I came in late, as you noticed. For reasons which I don't like, but they're justifiable. They have to do with monks' rules and so on. I was full of joy and enthusiasm coming here yesterday. So it was really called to pause, relax, the excitement, the joy. Because in my own experience, I've done the most harm in my life when I was very joyful. I was very happy. When I was full of, literally full of Sukhachito. 
that costs a lot of dukkha sometimes. Sukha means happiness, dukkha means the opposite. So I think I behaved quite well in the afternoon, enjoyed practice. And then I was invited to offer a reflection. How was that? How did that land? What was the motivation? Why did they let me do it? In the monastery where I'm living most of my time when I'm, since I wear this kind of dress, before we give a Dhamma talk, usually we recite paying homage to the Buddha, homage to the noble, blessed, and perfectly enlightened one, three times in Pali usually. Why? And then centering your intention on Buddha, Dharma, Sangha. In other words, to recall refuge. Recall refuge. Centering, directing the intention on refuge. And over the years, I've really valued, especially in, in times of confusion, turmoil, uncertainty, this hard practice of seeking refuge. I think I can speak with certainty about how little I know what true refuge is. What does it mean, Buddha? Really mean, the one who knows. As you pause, what does Buddha mean? Does it mean knowing, breathing in? Knowing, breathing out? Knowing your reaction to an invitation, to a certain contemplation? Knowing rupa, form, matter, body? Feeling tone, Vedana, some people call it sensation, it can be misleading or helpful, depends. This word mind states is really misleading. State, my understanding, gives the idea of fixation, something stable, 
but it's not. Or can you detect any mental experience over the last few minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, which is stable, which is a state? That is the way it is. We call maybe some mental experiences of your practice today. Say the same. And you were mostly maybe upset, angry, or inspired, uplifted, maybe strong insights, emotional responses to that. Was that a state? We heard. Spiritual friends can be a great refuge with their presence, even when they come late. <laughs> For good reasons, I assume. <laughs> And again, noticing this sidetrack, this excitement, the pleasure, the distracted nature of it. Good time to pause. quite sure when I tried to pick up the thread. It had something to do with refuge, I assume. So where is the Buddha? How? The Dharma? Oh, I think I got my thread again. I was at mind states. Huh? So really look, mental experiences, emotions, moving of the heart in whatever direction, pleasant, unpleasant, exciting, inspired, fed up, strong judgments. How can we be with this, that it yields understanding? And then Dhamma, contemplating Dhamma rather than listing all the things the Buddha mentioned, just whatever is not covered yet, with physicality, mental impressions, pleasant, unpleasant, neither nor, mental experiences, whatever is not covered there, feel invited to look at that. Dhamma, Anupasana. Reflection, contemplation, looking at Dhamma, phenomena. This is what the practice is about.
Buddha, Dharma, Sangha. The one who knows. Which one? Which one? When the Buddha invites us to come and see, he points to you. It's an invitation. See for yourself. To be individually experienced by the wise. It's one of the qualities of the Dhamma. Not by the fools. So is a statement that you come here that you classify yourself as being potentially wise? I would put you into that category of people with little dust in or on their eyes. At least at times. Why did the Buddha bother to teach this profound Dhamma? Not easy to see for yourself. Not to be figured out by logic, by intelligence, by brilliant talks. But only seeing for yourself, tasting it yourself. Dhamma. Visible here and now. Tasteable here and now. Not dependent on time. And Sangha, ultimately, as refuge is those people who have realized freedom, seen ultimate freedom, tasted it. It's different degrees. This is a true refuge. Maybe I had the privilege at time to live with such beings, but when they taste the soup, you know, they are the spoon or something, I don't know. Does it mean I taste it? Not necessarily. So we have to be careful where we place our confidence, our trust in our sada. Really careful. When the Buddha praises spiritual friendship to the highest, that's our whole of our spiritual life, I would suggest to be very careful and very how we place our trust. Wearing a rope can be uplifting or misleading. And a lot of damage happened in not just Buddhist history or Christian history or other religious history in misplacing trust the wrong activities, teachings, actions. As you know, maybe painfully through our own experience, when I look into the room, I know, I look at some people and I know, you know what I'm talking about. Because I know I've hurt you. 
not with gross intention, you know, I'm going out there to hurt this, I mean, taking him as an example. Yeah. No, because of ignorance in action. It doesn't mean when these things happen that spiritual friendship is destroyed, support is cut off, rupture is so strong, you know, it cannot be healed. Or mended, do you say mended for rupture? So I'm talking about the spiritual dimension, but this is of course true for any relationship. The company you work for, the monastery you live at, the community you engage, the family, human relationships. And the Buddha recommended a practice which is so powerful to deal with this, relational challenges, ruptures, or ruptures at times the joys of relationship to ask for forgiveness. In the monastery we have several times a year this ritual asking forgiveness to the teacher or when we leave. The Pali formula translated goes something like this, whatever I have done, my body, acting, speech, speaking, or mental action, which intentionally or unintentionally has harmed you, I ask sincerely for forgiveness. Powerful word, forgiveness. Hokama in Thai. It's an act, an action. An acknowledgement of shortcomings, possible faults, knowingly or not, I might not know the harm I have done, but I acknowledge. Those of you maybe with a background of Tibetan tradition, you know, like they include all the previous lives and so on. You know. So it's numerous actions of what we have done physically, what we have spoken or or mental actions, which might have caused harm. So, sincerely acknowledging, intentionally asking forgiveness, asking for healing internally, to be comfortable, to be clear, bright, start again within myself, and if you have done anything, knowingly or unknowingly, I forgive you. It's mutuality, relationally. Clearing the ground, clearing the space. Beautiful, if we can do it. Beautiful, if we can't do it. Because the intention is there. What we often direct our mind towards, our heart, these conditions, our mind, our heart, our habits. So don't worry, would be my suggestion, if it doesn't feel you can do it yet. Directing your heart, your mind, what the mind often thinks about conditions the heart. I don't know, I sometimes quote, I'm 
don't know where I got this from, but they did some study. What uh, is conducive, helpful for healing? And they found out, don't ask me how, where this comes from, that 90% of healing has to do with forgiveness. 90% of healing has to do with forgiveness. If you look at your own life, or maybe just as at today's or yesterday's practice, when strong <coughs> stuff came up or mild stuff came up, if you would apply this attitude of what does it mean? Forgiving can mean many things, yeah? It's there for giving, generosity, great heartedness, offerings, sharing. I share with you my vulnerability. A few words spoken in truth can be much more powerful than many words spoken out of habits. As words I have remembered from someone, repeated numerous times. So when I look at my actions, yesterday evening for instance, I was pretty clear in terms of there was no harm intended. The challenge of co-teaching is, and especially of coming late, I might have assumption what was clearly offered as, you know, introduction to inside dialogue or not, or the way I do it, was done or not, I don't know. Maybe I was offering this practice under false uh, conclusions, what was shared with you before or not. Your empowerment of you know, you choose what you engage in, the way you engage. In other words, take responsibility. And this is not to say, I don't take responsibility for this part. Mutual. I would be so happy if this game of blaming the others would work for kind of <laughs> bringing happiness and freedom to life. For me, it didn't so far. And I tried really a few decades, not successfully. And occasionally, this habit is still very strong. I mean, maybe occasionally it's a bit underestimating. But. So, harm is done. Unskillfulness. The Buddha was accused numerous times, grossly, falsely. Sometimes he endured. Sometimes he kept silent. Sometimes he offered very skillful teachings in connection with this. The gift of the Buddha was he, from my reading the Buddha, what I hear about him, he knew exactly what was the most skillful thing to do in any situation. I don't. (laughs) 
So I think this is what I like to share. This is my truth in this moment, relative, not absolute. I thank you for your practice. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.